I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me any more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Well, good morning. <clears throat> Jesus <laughs> introduced a subject in this text, a subject that is extremely difficult for us to comprehend. He made the statement in, in this context. He said, If a man loves me, he will keep my words. My Father will love him, will come unto him, and make our abode with him. Love is a probably the most intangible subject that we can ever try to comprehend. We know some things about love, and many things we do not know about it. What we do know is that love is conditional. Jesus said, if you love me, that's conditional. And it is responsive. Conditional and responsive. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We try to decide who we love and who loves us in this life. Because that, that's, a, that's a broad spectrum of activities and of knowledge and of even our very essence is love. We want to know who loves us. We, we need to know that. And they need to know whether or not we love them, or you need to know that. Now, I love you because. That's generally what we'll say. I love you because. Do we know why we love someone? We think we know we love, we love our parents because they're our parents. But everybody doesn't love their parents just because they're parents. I love my children. Why? Because they're my children. Blood. Why do we love? That, that's, the, that's the essential point. I love you because you're nice. But I don't love everybody that's nice. I love you because you're, you're a pleasant person. Do I really love you because of that? I love you because you're respectful. Because you treat me well. Because you love me, maybe. I reciprocate. I love you because we're related. You and I are related. We're related in, in, by blood, maybe. Related relationally. We're related because we're in the same club. Because we drive the same sort of automobile. Because we live in the same neighborhood. We love each other. So we're, we're talking about a large facet of our, be of our being. I love you because you always put me first. You always ask about me. I love you because uh, you 
Ask me how I feel about things. You help me. I love you because. So we have love that's conditional and depends upon action. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something with me today, and I've been asking you to do a lot of things during my sermons. I want to ask you to do something with you today. I want to ask you to look at the big picture. We're not going to look at specifics. Now, you can say, I love this person because this person does this and that and so forth even relating to me, whatever it may be. But I want you to look at the big picture, the large picture. You've heard the expression, you can't see the forest for the trees. So what I want you to do with me is to get out of the forest and away from the trees and take a look at the big picture. Someone says, well, I was sent. I was sent to do something. He said, but... I'm, I'm neck deep up in alligators and I forgot that I was sent to drain the swamp. Let's, let's get out of the swamp. Let's get out and let's get away. And let's get out. Let's make sure that we know where we are. And let's, let's get away from the bustle and the crowd. And let's stand back and look at the big picture of God and love and us. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So he made it conditional. He said, if, and that's a conditional phrase, if you love me. Well, let me say this. Big picture now. Big picture. Big picture. Worldwide picture. Eternal picture. Not little picture. Not your little day-to-day activities. Not your little problems and big problems. But let's, let's look at the large picture with God. The big picture is, First John 4.19 with God, we love Him because He first loved us. So it's reciprocal, you see. We love him because he first loved us. So now the question is, when did he first love us? You see. Well, what? let's look at big picture again. We love him because he created the whole universe, the whole world, for us. Did you know that? God created the heavens and the earth. He created it and did it in one day. Created heavens and the earth. In seven literal days, he did all the different things that he did. But in the first day, he created the heavens and the earth. He created the things that you see up above. And then each day, he did something else. And so he created everything. But the point is, he did it for us. Everything we see is for us. We can read about it in Genesis chapter 1. But first of all, John 1 at verse 1 tells us that someone else was involved with him. And that someone else that was involved was Jesus. So John 1 at verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1.16 says the same thing. For by Him, talking about Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and there in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or principalities or dominions or power or all things were created by Him, and for him. So Jesus was part of the creation. He created. Created everything. Isaiah chapter 45 verse 18. Thus saith the Lord that created the heavens. God himself that formed the earth. Now notice what he did. The heavens and the earth created them. And he formed the earth and made it. He established it. He created it not in vain. Not for nothing. He had a purpose. And it says he formed it to be inhabited. 
to be inhabited. By who? By us. He looked way down here and saw you and said, I, I made this for you. Now, when you look up in the sky and you look at the clouds, you can say, those are mine. Did you know that? Look on, on the earth, standing around on the earth, that's mine. Look at the stars. Those are mine. The sun, don't look at it too, without something on your eyes, protection. The sun, look at the sun, look at the moon. Look at, look at the wonders of nature around you. Look at the, all the flora and fauna. And say, that's mine. Now, what happens is, we come along and some of us stake claims and say, this is mine, not yours. You can't have any of this. And so we stake our claims to these things. You can't say, everything's mine because other people are saying, yeah, but this is mine so you can't have any of this. You see what I'm saying? But God said it's yours. I'm creating this for man. I'm creating this to be inhabited. It's yours. And even though he knew what we would do with it, he gave it to us anyway. And we've messed it up. He knew what we were going to do with it, but he gave it to us anyway. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So he said, Okay, you, we can have dominion over fish, fowl, every creature. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of the, of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Gave it to us. What have we done with it? Well, we've messed it up, haven't we? We've destroyed the rainforest. We have, we have sullied it. We've defiled it. We've polluted it. We've done everything we can. We've used it up as best we can. We're, we're, we're uh, eliminating, we're using up all of our natural resources. We're destroying all the animal life that we can get our hands on. We're making animals extinct. We're doing everything. We're messing everything up. And yet God gave it to us. Did he know we were going to do this? Well, yes, he did. But he gave it to us anyway. Just like, as parents, we give our kids toys and we know they're going to, we're going to mess them up. Give a, give a child a doll and it's going to drag it through the mud. It's going to mess it up. It's going to... Put it where it shouldn't be. It's going to do all sorts of things with toys. And you're going to break them. And that's what we've done. But God, now what I'm talking about is, let's look at this big picture. God gave us this. He gave us this. And yet he knew we were going to mess it up. But he gave it to us anyway. God so loved the world. He loves us. Mankind, our happiness... Our condition is dependent upon a choice. If we could, we, we, we could enjoy this world unencumbered if, if what? 
We could have enjoyed it. Now, God made it right to start with. Everything was right. All the birds were flying. All the, all the beasts were running around. Everything was right. Everything was right. Water was pure. The air was clean. Everything was right. When God put our forefather, by the name of Adam, on this earth, created him, and said, be fruitful and multiply. Have some more of you. More like you. Because I made this world for you. Genesis 2.15. He took the man and he put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. Now he knew what Adam was going to do. You say, well, if I had been there, I wouldn't have done that. Matter of fact, we'd still be in the garden. We'd still have every form of animal, every form of bird, every form of beast. We'd have everything would be intact and everything would be just chugging along like a well-oiled machine. Just just keep on going like it always has been going. If I'd have been there. But you know what? Paul said that by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, for all have sinned. We messed it up. God knew what we would do, but instead of stopping at Adam and Eve, He projected His vision clear down to us so He knows what we would do too, doesn't He? He knew it, but He, he did it anyway. Now why? Well, we, I'm not really sure I know why. Basically what I know is He loved us. This is the only way it's going to work for some reason. So He turned it all over to man and we messed it up. The first thing that happened was, of course, the flood. God said, I've had enough of this. And so he sent a flood. But there was somebody still there that, that was, had some faith in God. And he protected him. That was Noah and his family. Then after they got out of the ark, then they started all over again. Everything started all over again. But why would God do that if, if he knew that this is what we were going to do with what he gave us? It was, it's, it's like the uh, parent who have the, have, have the pampered child and uh, when the child graduates from high school says well, we're going to give him a powerful sleek sports car you know what they know they, they know what he's going to do with it they know exactly what's going to happen but they give it to him anyway why because they love him because they trust him, because they want him to prove himself, what does he do? In the majority of instances, of course, he wrecks it. For sometimes, even in the worst case scenario, he kills somebody. That's what happened to us. That's what happened when we talk about the prodigal son over in Luke chapter 15. The prodigal son said, give me everything that's mine. He asked his father that. Well, his father knew what he was going to do with it. Didn't he? He knew what he was going to do with it. He knew the boy was not going to stay in the farm next to him. He knew that. He knew that the son was not going to build another orchard with his inheritance alongside his father's. He knew, he knew what the son was going to do. The boy was going to go off and, and go crazy with it. God knew what we were going to do. But because he loved us, he let us. He let us. Was it worth it to the father? To give his son 
what he gave him? Was it worth it? The son came home. Son came back. Well, okay. We can blame disasters and tragedies and all the mishaps that happened in our lives and all the poor things and the, the poor events that, that trouble us and pain us. We can blame all of that on God and say, it's because He put us in this mess. We're, we're laying the blame at the wrong feet. The blame should not be laid at the feet of our Father or Jesus. It's our fault. We got ourselves in this mess. You say, well, I didn't. No, you didn't. Adam did. But you would, too. It's not as if Adam's some kind of distinct individual. You would have done the same thing he did. I would have. Sooner or later, we'd have reached up and, and taken that low-hanging fruit. And we would have taken it. We should be the ones to confess that we have made the mess. Even so, as ugly as we've made this place where we live, even though we've messed everything up, God still loves us. And He wants to get us out of this mess. That's what He wants to do. This world's not going to last forever. We know that. Those of us who are living in this time understand that. We know that we're using up all of our natural resources. We know that. We know that our climate is changing. We know that. We know that energy is dissipating. We know the second, third, and first law of thermodynamics that energy is going to dissipate. We know all of that. Before long, this whole thing is going to grind down to a slow, dark, cold stop. Just like that. We know that. But we also know that someone loves us and says, I'm not going to let you perish with that. Someone loves us. He's going to get us out of the mess. We're looking at the big picture now. The big picture. Okay. God so loved the world. Why? Well, why would a father love a son? Why would a mother love a child? Why would anyone love someone else? God loves us. He just loves us unconditionally to start with. He just loves us. Whether we love Him or not, He loves us. And He sent His Son... To die for us on the cross. God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. Whosoever believes on Him has, uh, shall not perish but have everlasting life. God sent not in His Son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And he that believes on Him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed. Well, you're condemned already because you're living in a, in a broken world. We are broken. And we broke it. Human beings broke this world. God didn't break it. He put it together perfectly, completely. He loved us and He said, here it is. Here it is. In all its beauty, in all its glory, it's yours. The white puffy clouds are yours. The tall snow-capped mountains are yours. The flowers in the field are yours. The seed on the in the trees that, that bear their fruit every year. These are all yours. Take care of them. We said, no. We'll do what we, we'll do what we want to. John 3.19 says, This is the condemnation that lights come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. We were lost. We had gone astray. We became selfish and self-centered. We are seeking our own gratification. Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. 
Now that's what the Bible says. None of us are righteous. So when you say, well, maybe we could have done better than Adam did. No, we couldn't. There's none that understands. There's none that seeks after God. They're all gone out of the way. They're together become unprofitable. There's none that does evil. None that does good. No, not one. We are suffering because of sin. People suffer physically because of sin. People suffer emotionally because maybe not their personal sin. Get me, please. The big picture. We're suffering emotionally because of sin. Because sin is here. Because we're in a sinful world. We're in a sinful condition. That's where we live. Because of our forefathers. It's our responsibility, our problem. God loved us. He gave it to us perfectly. We've messed it up. And God sent His Son into this world to get us out of this mess. To extract us. So I'm thinking, Lord, how am I going to get out of this mess? You know, sometimes, if, if we're comfortable, we don't think things like that. When everything's going right, I don't really care. I'm not in a mess. But it's going good. Got plenty in my bank account. I've got lots of food. I've got lots of comfort. I'm warm up. Warm in the winter and I'm cold, cool in the summer. I'm just doing good. But when the hammer falls and something happens to me, then I'm thinking, Lord, please get me out of this mess. Get me out of this mess. Luke 19 verse 10 says, The Son of Man has come. God so loved the world, He sent His Son. So now then I'm thinking, not only did He love me because He gave me this world, He gave me these things. He gave me these things. Not only that, but when I made a mess of it, when I broke it, He said, oh, I'll come get you. I'll get you out of it. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Matthew 18, 11, The Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. It's the love of the world that takes us away from God. It's not the love of God that takes us back into the world. Listen to this. James 4, 4 says, You adulterers and adulteresses, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. 1 John 2.15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The way out of the world now is a choice. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. Now if we, he said also, he said, if you love me, my Father and I will come and dwell with you. Okay, if you love me. Why should I love him? Because he made this wonderful world for me. Okay? And I made a mess of it. And now he sent to get me out of the mess. Wouldn't that be a good reason for me to love him? It would be. That's what I feel. That's how I feel. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you for that. The way out of the world is a choice. We can eat or not eat. The forbidden fruit. The forbidden fruit tree has low hanging fruit. It's easy to get a hold of that stuff. Live or die. God said you can live. He told Adam that. You can live, have a wonderful life, or you can die and have a miserable one. Problem with Adam was when he did, he got us all in the mess. But remember, if he hadn't have done it, I would have. Just keep that in mind. We can blame Adam for all of it. Okay, Adam, you're the culprit. But let me tell you this. If he hadn't have done it, 
I would have. And you would have. One of us would have. We'd all be in the mess again. We're still in the mess. He gave us that choice. And He gives us the choice today to get out of this mess, this world of sin and sadness, and come into a place of forgiveness and righteousness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, here's, here's, what the, here's how it's described. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. He's going to make a place where all these things will not be present. A place where you don't have to lock your door. A place where you don't have to worry about your car being stolen. A place where you don't have to worry about somebody jumping in and tearing the radio out of your car while it's parked. A place where you don't have to worry about getting mugged if you walk down the street. He's talking about a place where all these things won't be present. He said there won't be any thieves or drunkards or revilers, nobody running around slobbering drunk and insulting your children or your wife or your husband. He said, and such were some of you. He said, that's the way you were. But you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of our God. He loved you enough to make you a better person. Make you a better person. Oh. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's got a place for us that, that we can get out of this one and get into one that's better. 1 Peter 1 and verse 4 says, To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now Romans 5 tells us we have a simple way to do this. Okay, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, Lord, why should I keep your commandments? Well, because of a little word called faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So I hear the Word of God, and I believe in God, and I believe in Jesus Christ. Faith, faith is, the, is the power. That's what we're told, and, and the power given to us through faith is given by the Gospel. Romans chapter 1, 16, 17. I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation through faith. So faith in Jesus Christ puts us, gives us the power to be justified, Romans 5 verse 1, justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that made everything. He's our creator. He gave us all of this and we messed, messed it up. Now that we can get back in His favor and I want to be there. I've got to say this. We know, we know that that when people come into this world, some people that are born will, will have such a miserable time in their life that they'll make statements like this. I wish I was never born. They'll start blaming their parents for bringing them into this world. I didn't want to come into this world anyway. Sometimes they'll even tell their parents that. I didn't ask to be born. Well, let me tell you something. God didn't make you to be born. It's your parents that did it. Your parents... Your parents are the one. He gave them the ability to, to procreate, you know. He's the one that gave them the ability, and then they took the opportunity, and they produced you. But you don't want to be here. So who do you blame? 
You certainly shouldn't blame God. He, he didn't have a hand in that. Only that he provided all the materials and the opportunity and the fact that you even could be born, but it's your parents. Okay, so the person says, I, I despise my parents for that. And yet, there's a, within that individual, once the parents say, okay, you're, you're gone, you're not ours, forget it. We don't want you. Wait a minute. It's different for the kids to say, I don't want my parents, than it is for the parents to say, I don't want my kid. All of a sudden, the kid says, wait a minute. That, that dug a hole in my heart. That, that put a hole in me. You don't want me? Why do you suppose children that have been adopted, who have their adoption records sealed, spend their life trying to find their parents and ask why their parents did not want them? You ever wonder about that? We need to know that our parents want us. Somebody wants us. Somebody cares for us. Somebody is concerned about us. God wants you. He's your parent. Do you understand what I'm saying? He wants you. And when I understand that, then I, I think, I love Him for that. He loved me. Why? Why should He love me? I'm not, I'm not worth a whole lot. But He does. And He wants me. The drive that's naturally within us to be wanted and desired is there. And God says, I want you. I want you so bad, I'm going to send my son down and I'm going to let him go through something. The, the Son of God, He is God in the flesh. I'm going to let Him die at the hands of cruel people just so I can persuade you to like me, to love me, and to come home. That's what He said. He demonstrated His love for us. This is the love of God, 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, that we keep His commandments. That's all He's asking. And He says, His commandments are not grievous. Did you know that everything you do that God wants you to do makes you a better person? It elevates you. It takes you above the norm. Gets you out of the gutter. Keeps you off the sidewalk. Keeps you from doing bad things. Everything you do for God, the commandments actually are for your benefit. For your benefit. Because if we love Him and we follow Him, He's going to get us out of this mess. Now I love Him for that. Because when He gets us out of this mess, what He's going to do is He's going to give me a fountain of youth. You know, the old Spanish explorers that came to this continent and others came looking for the fountain of youth. Magic water that they could drink that would keep them young. I'd like a sip or two of that myself right now, but I can't get it. You, we, we try and try and try to keep from getting old, but it just keeps coming. Just keeps coming. And yet, God said, God told us that He will give us a fountain of youth. Living water. And because this, this old body's wearing out, He's going to give us a new one. He's going to give you a better one. The better one that you have right now. You say, well, I don't, no, no, not really pleased the body I'm in. Most people aren't. Most people do not like the body. They try to change it. They try to modify it. We do all these things. But God's going to give you a body that you'll be completely happy with. You love Him? Well, we love Him because of these promises. 
And God is going to take you to a place where you don't have to complain about the weather or the climate. You know that? There will be no weatherman there. You won't have to worry about changing the thermostat, making it warmer or cooler. You won't have to be arguing about what, what the temperature is going to be, whether or not you can go to, on a picnic. You won't have to be worried about that. He's going to take you to a place where the sun shines year-round, but it won't blister you. You won't even need a parasol. It's going to be good. You won't need any rain gear. You won't need any snow shovels. And you don't need any dust mask. The weather's going to be fine. The breeze will be soft and comforting. He's going to give you... He's going to, what, what we're saying is there's going to be another world coming. This one, this one's going to be used up and gone. We know it's going. He will eliminate hurricanes. So, you've been looking at a hurricane on TV recently. Won't be any hurricanes in that new place. Won't be any tornadoes. No floods, no earthquakes. No drought. You don't need sandbags to keep the water out. He'll remove all forms of disease. Your joint pain will be gone. No arthritis. He'll clear up your headaches. He'll take away all inflammations, all skin diseases. There'll be no heartbreak or psoriasis. He will uh, make sure that you do not have any deformity in your body. He will make sure that your company that you have there will be free of criminals, no crime. Somebody told me the other day that the best place to live where there is no crime is in a place like Saudi Arabia, where they, if a person is caught stealing, they cut off their hand, etc. They, they put them to death. So crime rate is down, but it's a very despotic place. Despotic place. They, uh, they make sure that uh, they rule by tyranny and by threat and by fear. Well, in the place that God is building for those who believe in Him and those who love Him, there won't be any war, there won't be any despots, there won't be any crime, there won't be any fear. In addition to that, there won't be any pessimists. People saying, hey, well, it just can't last. No, nobody can be saying that. There won't be any pessimists. There won't be any grumblers, complainers about, well, it's not to my liking. I'd rather have it this way. I don't like my eggs cooked that way. I like them this way. I don't like the food. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like. There won't be any complainers. God is going to make a place for those who love Him in a new world that is free from all disasters, crimes, problems, disagreements, disgruntlement. Why? Because He loves you. Because He loves you. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's what we should do. Because if we love him, not just because of the fact that I can get good things, but if we love him because he first loved us, we have that feeling. He is our father. He is our creator. We love him because he is our father. And Jesus Christ is our brother. If you love me, keep my commands. Let's stand and sing this song that's been selected. <laughs>